Welcome to July's Ask the Experts call. It is now my pleasure to introduce today's host, David Molman with Align Technology. David, you have the floor. Good morning, everyone, and thank you for joining us on today's Ask the Expert webinar, Troubleshooting the Most Common Aligner Problems with Dr. Dr. Donna Galante. You'll earn two hours, uh, CE hours, for attending today's program, and you'll receive important instructions on how to obtain your CE certificate at the conclusion of the presentation. Additionally, CE hours will automa add, automatically be added to your Indivisalign doctor's side account. Please allow two to four weeks for CE hours to appear on your account. Please note you're able to listen to today's program via the webcast, and throughout the webinar, you'll have the opportunity to ask text questions, which our presenter will answer at the conclusion of the presentation. I apologize in advance we're not able to answer everyone's questions as our time is limited, but we will follow up after the program to answer any outstanding text questions. Today's program will be archived in its entirety on the Education tab of your Visline Doctor site, where you may also access archived versions of all of our previous ASCII Expert programs anytime for CE hours. It's now my distinct pleasure to introduce our speaker today, Dr. Donna Galante. Dr. Galante reached the level of Invisalign Elite Provider Top 1% in 2010 and has been treating Invisalign patients that are private practicing in the Sacramento area since 2000. She received both her dental and orthodontic degrees from the University of Pennsylvania, where she also served as a clinical instructor in the orthodontic department. She is a diplomat of the American Board of Orthodontics and has been feature, a featured speaker at the 2011 Invisalign Forum for Orthodontists. So without further delay, I'll turn the program over to Dr. Galante. Dr. Galante, you now have the floor. Thank you, David. Uh, I'm happy to be here today, and I think this is a, a topic that I'm I know that everyone on the call today will find very compelling, and let's get started. So we're going to talk about some of the most common aligner challenges um, that we all face when we're treating aligner uh, patients. So before I go any further, though, I do want to show you this one slide that says, I'm going to read it for you, the statements, views, and opinions expressed in this program and any course materials are those of the speaker. Align technology may not endorse such statements. Attendee, attendees are responsible for any legal and regulatory compliance of any marketing and referral program. And I know David did a great job of introducing me. I am a 1984 and 86 grad of the University of Pennsylvania, board certified in 92, and currently my husband and I practice together in Northern California. Certified in 2000 was one of the first groups of doctors certified, and I've been on Alliance faculty since 2012 and a top 1% provider since 2010. So I've been around the block, so to speak, and have been through many multiple stages uh, with Invisalign, and I'm really happy here today to speak with you about some of the biggest challenges that we as doctors may face in trying to treat these cases successfully. So let's start with challenge number one, non-tracking teeth. And you'll see here I listed about six uh, of the um, issues that I personally see all the time, or at least when I go chair side and a, and a staff member says to me, hey doc, we have some tracking issues. I mean, these are some of the things that possibly are going to go through my mind or my team's mind at this point. But is it one tooth? Is it multiple teeth? Was there a problem with our PBS impressions, which right now we actually don't have those issues anymore. But, you know, once in a blue moon, you know, maybe there was a scan that didn't really go well. Uh, or maybe the patient now has come in and they've had new dental work. Have you been treating a mixed dentition case and all of a sudden now the adult teeth are in? Um, number four, not a space. Um, number five, there's either no attachments, the wrong attachments, or just pretty much just missed some movements during the clincheck. And number six, is there a problem with their participation? They're just not wearing them enough. And the, the things that I have in red, we're going to discuss right now. We're going to go and dig deeper into one, four, five, and six. So starting with a single tooth not tracking. So back, I would say, pre-ITERO, when I, we were using a lot of PBS, rather than trying to like take new PBS impressions, send them in, and, and wait another maybe four to six weeks to get the aligners back, we would do what I call the bootstrap elastic technique. Still, we'll use this, uh, maybe not as much as I used to, because now we'll just often just pop the patient into the scan chair, we call it, popping them into the scan chair. And, you know, within 10, 15 minutes, we have a new scan, and then the next day, I have a new ClinCheck to work on, and we can get those aligners back very quickly. Sometimes we will still do this because I'm in a situation where I have a patient who is 
uh, getting married, uh, going off to college, going out of town. Um, you know, there's a myriad of things that we're, we're trying to help our patients with, and we always want to make our patients happy. We want to give them the best service possible. So if you're in those situations, sometimes just doing this bootstrap elastic is really a very effective way to solve the problem. Again, everything else is tracking pretty well. You're pretty happy with everything else. This could be like, I'm almost done with your case and the laterals aren't tracking. So you can see here, I placed some clear buttons as, as gingival as possible. And you can get these, um, Align has a, a, a clear button. You can also, a lot of the other orthodontic vendors will have clear buttons that you can order. It's important to put them as gingival as possible. I typically only let the patient go out two or three weeks and I may use some IPR if needed. So let's just look at a case here. So here's Julia, and this is her starting case. I'm not gonna go into details of you know, the actual ultimate treatment plan, but we got to a point where things were looking pretty good. Parents were getting ready to move out of the area into another state, and they just wanted to um, get Julia's treatment completed. Didn't wanna do another refinement, didn't wanna transfer. So. We decided to put some bootstraps on her to try to finish this up. You can see here in the slides I've shown here, you can see the bootstraps are placed uh, gingerly. You can see that we have um, the very buckle as possible, and it's very important to clear out the aligner, extremely important. And what's even more important is to go in and make sure that there is no, you can see here it's a little red. We did a little IPR right here with a very tight contact. Don't clear the contacts will not be successful. And then here we are, it's about two, uh, three weeks later, we're, we're taking everything off, and maybe could have made a case for actually going back in and doing a little bit more refinement as far as the angulation of those laterals, but parents, parents were thrilled, they were happy. Um, we made her some uh, Vivera retainers and, and off she went to her new home. Donna's Diamonds, for those of you that have ever attended any of my lectures, you know that um, I always say diamonds are a girl's best friend and they can be your best friend too because they're way more valuable than pearls of wisdom. So here are my diamond tips when doing a bootstrap, okay? So use a clear button, make sure you trim the aligner on the buckle so that as the tooth extrudes, it's not gonna hit the plastic. You can see it very well in this diagram here. Also, you make cuts on the lingual, and this is very important, so that the cuts are deep enough that that elastic and loop around the back and then come around the front and be held securely. We try to use a very small elastic, like an eighth inch, it's really tiny. It be a, should be almost difficult to get it on the tooth. And it is one of those things, we have a patient wear it all day long, they change it frequently, it's a two to three week scenario, and please make sure that you have room to extrude the tooth. So there's maybe a little bit of IPR, maybe you go in with just a, you know, a, a strip, or maybe you have to actually get in with a disc. Multiple teeth not tracking. Again, you know, in the past, I may have just, you know, this patient was one of the patients that I treated, you know, when we were doing PBS impressions. Again, we're dealing with a teenage girl getting ready for prom. Mom says, no, no more refinement. I just want it done. She's going to prom. She wants her um, she wants everything off her teeth. She wants to look great for her pictures. So you can see here what I did was basically we had some tracking issues here. And, and I, I'm going to go into detail like why sometimes you have these tracking issues. And in this case, it was because I didn't have an attachment on either of these teeth. So they didn't extrude even though it was planned in the ClinCheck. But we'll talk a little bit more about that later. But if you get into the situation, you know, and your lower arch is done, I I put some buttons on her lower arch and just cut out the aligner. So the lower arch is kind of my template. Put these buttons up here, cleared it out, made sure that we had adequate space, you know, go through with your floss, make sure it's pretty easy to floss. She's wearing, I typically will give the patient somewhere around a six ounce elastic and she's gone for maybe two or three weeks at the most. And she comes back and you can see here we are now taking all the buttons off and we are planning she's getting her final retainers and going off to her prom. You may have a similar situation where you need to just extrude. And so this patient was, was a challenging patient and you folks I know have had these where you, you, know, you put the attachments on, you get the extrusion, 
And then for some reason, at some point, it flips off the attachment and the tooth goes back up. And for the longest time, this 35-year-old um, firefighter, this kept happening, and it was very frustrating because we, we were pretty much completed with treatment except for these laterals, which were playing this cat and mouse game with me, going up and down. Here he is, finally completed. We, as you can see, even this one's flipping back a little bit. We were trying to finish him up and literally put these on one day and said, look, just wear this configuration for about two weeks, come back in, and we're going to take we're going to literally remove the rubber band and we're going to bond a retainer in and make sure that those teeth don't budge. And you can see here the kind of uh, fixed retainer that I put in. I'm not usually putting these on, but I have had several extrusions. And I know some of you in talking with colleagues have had the same thing where the tooth extruded beautifully. You took the align, you know, you took your attachments off, gave them retainers, and then in retention, those teeth popped back up. And you were back doing another refinement. I've had that happen to me. So, more often than not, if I am dealing with some challenging lateral incisors, I will put a fixed retainer in. So my diamonds here for multiple teeth not tracking. So again, typically in those scenarios, if you don't want to do a refinement and you're in a situation where you don't feel like taking another PVS impression and you just want to get it done, patient is maybe a little burned out, one arch is completed, just place some buttons and trim your aligners. Make sure the buttons are as gingival as possible. I prefer a six ounce elastic for two to four weeks. And just always make sure that the aligner is trimmed. Um, I had a couple situations where patients pulling and the aligner was not trimmed. And of course, that you know plastic is definitely going to hold that teeth right up against that, that little button and you're not going to get any results from it. So honestly, this is probably where a lot of, I feel, the tracking challenges start. If you've had, you know, had a scanner, you know, typically the aligner should be sitting pretty well. Um, PVS impressions, there can be some distortions and you may just have to redo your PVS. But a lot of it has to do with inadequate ClinCheck setup. So we're going to talk here about Ms. Anya and one of the things that did not go um, well in this case is the upper right too. You can see that lateral incisor is high. And let me show you how I set the ClinCheck up and ended up, you know, in, in a refinement stage with her because of the fact that I wasn't paying attention to how that tooth was moving in the ClinCheck. And a lot of times, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on when we're setting up the case. It's certainly easy to miss one tooth or even several teeth and go back and say, gosh, I should have had, you know, an attachment on there. I should have done something differently. Good news is there's refinement. And what's even the better news now is that, you know, we can do even more refinement without any additional cost. So I think refinement is not, you know, a bad thing. In my practice, we look at it as um, a repositioning appointment like we have with our fixed appliance cases. So let's look at Anya, and I can show you. I'll just run it. Here, so you can just kind of see what's happening to that upper right lateral. So watch it; it's getting there's some torquing happening, and then all of a sudden, around a liner 30, it starts to extrude. But any of us know that without some sort of extrusion attachment on there, that is just not going to happen. And in the beginning, if we look at, I'd like to show you the treatment card here. If we look at the treatment card, and I scroll down for you. You can see there on that tooth, there is from stage one to 46, there is a power ridge on that tooth. So we're getting, if we go to the side view, we're getting some, uh, some torquing on, on all those upper anterior teeth, which you would all expect to occur. But however, around the line of 30, the power ridge is still on there and the tooth is being extruded. You can make an argument that the tooth is being tipped back as well because of the reduction in the overjet. But in my, in, in my experience, even when you have a tooth that's tipping back, in, and even if it looks like there's plenty of room to do it, I still like to make sure, especially on a very small lateral, she's got small laterals, but a very small lateral, I like to make sure now that I have an, an attachment on there. And my preference would be a horizontal a beveled attachment on, on that lateral. I didn't put that on there, and I can tell you for sure that we had some problems 
when we got into the aligners around aligner 35. This two started not tracking, and everything else was moving along absolutely beautifully with her. And it didn't bother her. Some patients it'll bother, and you have to kind of at that point do refinement. We actually waited. I'll show you how she looked. And here she is at the refinement stage. We actually got through the 46 aligners that I had planned for her. And she was fine with the fact that there was some plastic hanging down. And we let parents know, as well as Anya, that we were going to go back in and do the refinement. So you can see we got some nice torquing. You know, a lot of our objectives were met. Had to do a little bit of refinement on the lower, and we now are going to go back in, and we're going to fix that situation with that tooth. And, and we're going to place an attachment, and we're going to actually, you know, continue to finalize the treatment. And she had, a, at this stage, we ended up with a total of 17 aligners to complete her treatment. So you can see here now, I put that, you know, horizontal beveled attachment, and you can see the tooth extruding. Checking to make sure that you also have space to do that. And the other thing that I'll talk about later, that you can see it as well, and we're going to talk about this when we get into challenge number two, which is posterior open bites, um, that I'm also going to work on closing that down. And we're going to talk a little bit about how we can accomplish that. But you can see here, we had an open bite in the posterior region at the end that we also were working on as far as the refinement. So I put the extrusion attachment on. And when you are doing any sort of power ridges like we did in the beginning, so there's no power ridges now on the case. And you cannot have a power ridge and an attachment at the same time. So that's why in that first stage, what should have happened was the power ridge should have came off and that attachment gone on at, say, a liner 30. And that's not what had happened. So in this stage now, there's no power ridges, and I can put an attachment on the tooth. But for the most part, you cannot have a power ridge and an attachment on at the same time. So it's one or the other. And my advice would be, in the future, if you have a situation where you have to torque and then extrude, get your torquing done first, get the power ridge on. And on this case, I should have taken it off at about 30 and then put your extrusion attachment on, and she would have had that extrusion attachment on there from 30 to 46, which should have been pretty much solved her problem as far as the position of that lateral. We're going to talk further, and here she is at the end. So it was a nice result, successful result. She, the tooth extruded, treatment was completed in 18 months, and a very reasonable treatment time. You'll see she had a lot of aligners, and I often will, in that refinement stage, patients will move through a lot faster, maybe a seven-day cycle, because we're just doing some fine-tuning. And even often in that first stage, if I have a really compliant patient, they get rewarded by moving through aligners every 10 days. That's why she had a lot of aligners, but only 18 months of treatment. Another challenging area is these, um, what I would say, lingually displaced teeth. And you can have these lingually displaced teeth on the upper and lower arches, of course. And so here's Isabella. She's in an anterior crossbite, have arrow arches, crowding. And let me go and open her ClinCheck. And we'll talk here about, again, setting these cases up for success so you don't run into tracking problems. And in her case, we actually ran into some tracking problems fairly early on in the treatment. And a lot of it stems from actually putting on this attachment here and here early. So if we go and look from the occlusal view, there's an attachment here. And, and while on this video it looks like that's going to be just fine, there's not going to be any problem if we have look at it a little bit more carefully, you know, getting that attachment on was not easy. And then furthermore, as you can imagine, when that plastic wraps around and then comes around here, it's really, it's, there's a lot, of, um, a lot of pressure in this area and a lot of flex. You gotta be really careful. It's easy for the patient to either A, have difficulty removing it, or B, you know, actually break the retainer or crack it. And then having that attachment on there just makes it that much harder for the patient to remove. So right away, um, she had some challenges getting it on and off. And if we look at this setup here, all I'm doing initially really is some, what I would say, arch development and expansion. I'm, I'm actually, you know, kind 
kind of upright in the teeth in the back, we're moving them out buckly, and we're moving that lateral, right? We're just moving the lateral buckly and, and pushing it, and the plastic does a fantastic job of doing that. And the reality is probably didn't really need that attachment on there until much later in the game. So you can certainly, you know, do your movement, and today this is what I would do. I would actually push the tooth out, get that crossbite corrected, and then maybe at this stage I would actually put the attachment on at maybe 19 or 20, and then the rest of it would then move forward, okay? So that's pretty much what I would do today, because we did have some tracking problems, and we didn't really make it much further than a liner. It was around 15 that she ended up having some serious tracking problems. We had the same problem on the lower. Again, this attachment, you know, again, made it very challenging for her to remove it. And if we look how the ClinCheck was set up, it's all, if you look here, and let me slow it down a little bit, the tooth is actually moving forward and there's really no room for it. Again, in our fixed cases, we probably would have put maybe an open coil in here. We would have had maybe a very flexible wire. We would have, we would have created a lot of space before that tooth would have even been um, moved forward. And right away, it's being pushed forward and there's really no room. So the combination of um, having that tooth being moved forward buckling, having an attachment that made it more difficult for it to seat all the way, and also um, the fact that she basically, you know, and the fact that we're, we're dealing with a patient who, you know, she, she's having some issues. Her, her ability to get these in and out was, a, she had some hard times. And I thought, so what we ended up doing is we took the attachment off so that she could get these out. And sometimes you just have to do that. So that ended up being a refinement for sure earlier than we anticipated. So here we are, we go back in and we set her up for a refinement. And you can see here that crossbite still isn't corrected, that lateral did come forward, but not enough, still have some crowding or some, what I would say, you know, crowding in the anterior narrow arches. And we're gonna go back in and we're gonna set her up for a refinement and manage some of those issues this time a little bit more effectively. And here she is. Let me get, we're going to get this loaded. And here she is a little bit for, okay, so now here she is. We have the attachment on this tooth. I did not replace it down here at all. I felt like the tooth just needed to be pushed a little bit more forward. If we look at the ClinCheck here, you can see, again, getting a little bit more arch development and the tooth coming forward, okay? Have these overcorrection aligners in place which we ended up not needing. There really was no extra space that I needed to close in the anterior. Down below, same thing. You'll see this tooth needed to move out buckly a little bit more. As that tooth comes out, we gain the space. One thing I want to show you here that's really important, and this happens a lot on our ClinCheck, you see the midlines look pretty good right at the end. They didn't start out really well, but they ended up lining up pretty nicely, right? And how many of you out there listening have had it, well, gosh, on the ClinCheck, the midline is perfect. How come clinically it's not turning out that way? So one of the things that I have started to do now on a very regular basis is I go up to, you're using the ClinCheck Pro, you go up to your tools and there's the Bolton analysis for you. And this is something that is really key now in my um, setup. Because I found out now that, you know, she has this Bolton uh, excess here, about almost close to two millimeters. And whenever I see numbers that are anything over a millimeter, I usually will think to myself, hmm, we're going to have maybe a, an issue at the end, either with some um, anterior interferences, some midline issues that need to be resolved. Case is just not going to finish as well as I'd like until I address the Bolton discrepancies typically either through some IPR or, you know, some of these cases maybe need some bonding on the laterals, right? You have some small laterals that need to be bonded or veneered. So in this case, we had a situation like that. I, I pretty much ignored it. And you can see, and I will show you how she is looking at the end of refinement number one. So the midline did not line up. I fairly happy about the position of the lower lateral. This tooth, it has, you know, again, probably could have used a little bit more buckle root torque as that tooth came forward. 
on these lingually displaced teeth, besides making adequate space to move them forward, it's also important to ask the technician to provide muscle root torque as you're moving the tooth forward so the root comes with it. A lot of us in our fixed cases will possibly you know, flip a bracket. We may have a, a special bracket we put on those cases in order to get that root torque that we want. If you notice, she had 13 months of treatment, and you'd probably say, well, this, this isn't done yet. We're going to go back in and do refinement. Discuss this with the parents. Explain what I need to do to get that midline centered and adequately evened out. And parents said, no, we don't want any blenderizing of the teeth. We are happy. We're thrilled. She's thrilled. We're thrilled. We're going to go get um, our retainers, and, and she's going to continue on with her life. And that was the end of the treatment, and we moved forward from there. And you can see the before and after, and it's a, it's a huge improvement for her. So the ClinCheck strategies here, there's a couple of them, a lot of material. But if you have situations where you're extruding teeth, okay, I personally like using a horizontal bevel gingerly. There's been times when a horizontal beveled incisally was placed, and it works as well, too. So I think you just got to make sure you have an attachment on the tooth preferably a horizontal attachment when you are extruding teeth. Number B, point B is very important. Torque first, remove power ridges, then extrude. I have a lot of success with power ridges. I absolutely love them. I use them. They work really well for uh, torquing, but you cannot have attachments on them, so you have to use them strategically in your cases to make sure that you are getting the torque you want, and then if there's any other movements that you need, adding the appropriate attachment either before or after. Preferably for me, I like to use power ridges early and then add the attachment later. Point C, extremely important. Make sure you have enough room to extrude the teeth. Verify with your technician, and this is in quotes, there are no collisions, meaning that when that tooth is either moving buckly, moving downward, moving upward, rotating, uh, whenever I look at a case now, one of the first things I'll look and see, okay, what tooth is going to be the most challenging tooth I'm moving here, what individual tooth or teeth, and really make sure that as that tooth is either moving, you know, it, it is rotating, extruding, that there is there are plenty of space for it to do that. Sometimes you'll be in the middle of a case and all of a sudden you start losing the tracking and I guarantee you go in there with some dental floss and it's tight, it's super tight. And you can either, at that point, you know, get in there, maybe do some IPR that hadn't been planned. You can take a, a lightning strip, or you can go ahead and just do another scan and do a refinement. And you will find that when you start kind of looking at just these three things, you're going to find that a lot of your extrusion issues are going to be solved by kind of making sure these things are in place before you approve that ClinCheck. Regarding lingually displaced teeth, again, I'll, I find now that I'll just move that tooth buckly as much as I can with adequate room, of course, okay, making sure that there's adequate room, and then I'll place an attachment if I need to extrude it afterwards, okay? Again, point B, buckle root torque. I will ask anywhere from 10 to 15 degrees as the tooth is moving buckly. And if you like to use the 3D controls, you can put that buckle root torque in yourself. I actually will do that myself now. But if you don't want to use the 3D controls, just ask the technician and she'll, he or she'll be happy to do it for you. Point C is kind of a little bonus point. Um, a lot of people ask me what happens when the patient's uh, tooth is crossing over because you have that crossbite. You know, how do you manage that? How does that patient deal when that tooth is like literally they're hitting edge to edge? We warn the patient there's going to be an interference. There's going to be a point when they take the aligners off that when they bite down, they're only really hitting maybe on those two teeth, and it's very uncomfortable. We tell the patient usually to wear the lower aligner when they eat during that stage. So they, they're going to change their aligners every two weeks, and they have it happening. Typically, what I have found that they, they're only eating with the aligner maybe a month, maybe two aligner stages, right? So it's not forever that they're having to eat with a lower aligner in place. But I find that when we ask them to do that, that seems to solve the problem for them or at least make them more comfortable until it crosses over. And always, always verify. At the, you know, I'll, I'll do this kind of as one of my last things. I'll ask the technician, please 
Make sure, you know, upper right seven is extruding without collision. Please make sure upper left seven is moving vocally without collision. And uh, a lot of times I'll get a ClinCheck back, everything looks absolutely perfect. I'll send that little note to my technician and the ClinCheck will actually come back with about five more aligners, which means I need another millimeter of space that wasn't there. So very, very key uh, point. Now we're going to talk a little bit about tracking challenges due to the lack of full participation or compliance, which is absolutely a huge issue. And I don't think sometimes, you know, we sometimes will think we did something wrong or we set the case wrong or something's wrong, you know, with what we did. But I have to tell you, there's a lot of times I have patients coming in, but doc, I'm wearing them all the time. And I know you've seen patients like this that are walking around telling you, gosh, I'm wearing them all the time. I just don't know why they're not tracking. I just don't understand, right? And, uh, you know, this is where we'll have what I call a heart-to-heart, -heart, you know, and it's kind of true confession time. And, you know, obviously, if you do get a patient that's really telling you, and some of these patients that I just showed you, I mean, it's obvious, you know, they're, they're doing a great job. You have, like, these single-tooth issues, maybe one, one or two teeth aren't tracking. Certainly, that's where you need a mid-course or refinement or a bootstrap or some of these other techniques I've shown you. But if you're getting a patient where everything is just not fitting well, I think you have to stop and find out what's going on, why they're not wearing them, okay? I really feel that there is a definite issue with their participation. They're not fully cooperating with you. And it's kind of one of these things where with our teen patients, it's, it's, it's a little bit easier. I find my teenagers are way more honest about it. Plus, they got those little uh, blue buttons that kind of, you know, keep them honest to some degree. And then they have parents involved that are usually on top of them as well. Most of the cooperation and problems I do seem to have have to be more with adults. And we go into their drinking coffee habits, their eating lunch, their snacking habits. And I, I literally will have them sit down with me and tell me exactly, like, how does their day go? What is the normal course of their day? And you'll be amazed at how many times that a liner comes out for coffee, snacking, things like that. Now, you know, depending on the situation, you have to use your own judgment. There are times when I tell the patient, well, if, you know, if you can drink your coffee maybe with a straw, drink it without sugar, maybe, maybe you can, you know, the snacking that you're doing, let's try to minimize that. Or but if you do have a snack, you know, see if you can even just snack with those liners on. I really need you to focus on getting those in 22 hours a day. Otherwise, we're going to be in treatment forever. You're not going to get the great results we're looking for. We have a policy of increased fees due to overtreatment, so there is that that is a sign. They have it for abrasive patients, too. It's, it's the same contract, quite honestly, so there's no difference there. Again, if you have a teen patient, you get a parent involved, we're really good about sending them letters, paper trails of, of noncompliance, and letting them know, hey, you know what, if, if you're not wearing them, there would be increased fees for non-operation. And we do have a policy in place for placing braces if needed. It's really a kind of a last resort, and we have kind of a sliding scale on it. You know, if you have a patient that's, you know, they've only had their liners for a month, and now you're popping braces on, that's definitely going to be a different fee than somebody who all of a sudden burns out towards the end, and I'm only going to have the braces on for maybe a short period, or I don't even need a full set of braces, maybe just some partial braces. But this is all clearly outlined in our contracts and really important to have those things in your contracts right from the start to get the compliance need. But I do think a lot of those don't give patients credit um, for their lack of following through on their end of participating with the 22 hours of wear. Challenge number two is the posterior open bite challenge. And I think probably this one is maybe more of a global um, challenge. And these are the things that typically come to mind when I'm faced with a patient that has a posterior open bite. Number one, anterior interferences and or bolts and discrepancies. Sometimes they go together, okay? Number two, was my curvus B leveled all the way? Or did I, you know, forget to extrude the premolars? Or maybe my incisors are still over-extruded and they're having an anterior interference. Number three, a big one, plunging maxillary cusp, and we're going to go over that in a second here, from posterior expansion, okay? And last but not least, inadequate occlusal contact 
engineering setup. And this is something that since we've been able to use the 3D, uh, the ClinCheck Pro, we have the controls. I'm going to show you how I use this now to help um, set up these spaces better so that at the end I do have some really solid contact in the posterior. So here are some clinical strategies for effective and predictable closure of posterior bites. So let's start first with what I call um, bite closure by default. And this is a patient who came in here on the left. And she's in the middle of treatment. She's on a liner 17, and she says, Doc, I'm getting married in a week. I need my attachments off, and can you please um, take them off for me? I'll be back after my honeymoon to get my attachments back on, and we'll finish the treatment. And for those of you that uh, function in the real world, you already know what happened. She never came back after the honeymoon. <laughs> I um, ended up, you know, uh, getting pregnant and having a baby and literally showing up here on the right side a year later and, and telling me, well, Doc, you know, I, I need a new, I need a retainer now because that last aligner, number 17, I've been wearing it at night and it just broke. And I need uh, retainers now and, and her bite had closed down. So that's how that case ended up closing down just from time, uh, letting her, you know, she was gone, only wearing them at night and it closed down. And from that case, I learned a lot about what I would call settling. And here's a patient on the left, open. He's not, he has no occlusion on his sixes and his fives. And here he is shortly, four months later, and now we're getting some contact on his teeth. And he's wearing retainers, my typical retention protocol for patients when they finish treatment. And this is braces and Invisalign. If I had a typical, we'll say it's called the 80% rule. It would be 16 hours a day for about six months. And then at that six-month mark, you know, we move, we're moving them into what I would call a, a nighttime-only um, time frame for retention. So that's pretty standard, and we do find we do get a fair amount of settling. So have the patient wear the aligners 12 to 16 hours a day. And sometimes as I'm finishing treatment, I'll do this now. As this case is finishing and we have an open bite, if I don't want to pop them into a, a scan chair and do a refinement, and certainly that is an option, and we're going to talk about that, I'll have them just back down to 12 to 16 hours a day, and I find that in time their bites will close. I might have the patient wear each aligner maybe 12 hours separately. They wear the upper for 12 and then the lower for 12. And then number three, we pretty much stopped doing this, although it can, it's very effective. You just got to be really careful cutting the aligners distal to the canines. We still do it, but I am really careful to get these patients back in about two weeks. I actually did this on one patient. She missed her two-week appointment. She came back in four, and now she had an anterior open bite, which then caused me to set her up for refinement. So interestingly enough, I think uh, number one is my number one choice today, and that's pretty much how we'll manage it. If I feel that it's a settling issue. We have maybe, you know, a, a half a millimeter of movement that I'm looking for. It's not huge amounts or, you know, or, or the patient doesn't want to go back into refinement and they're happy to go into this, you know, part-time wear and come in and be monitored. But if you get a situation where you need to kind of close the bite quickly or you're concerned about it and you don't have the time to do a refinement, Sometimes you have to do buttons. Because here in the real world that I live in, I have patients going to prom, patients graduating, patients going to homecoming, patients going off to college, patients going on a big business trip, patients moving, and you've got to solve a problem quickly. They don't want to transfer. And in this particular case, I had a uh, patient who was literally in a chair crying, I'm going to prom, I need to get these off, and mom, of course, wanting to make her daughter happy, was demanding a quick fix. So here is my quick fix. We trim the aligners, as you can see, with my blue arrow distal to the canines on the upper and the lower. And on her left side, the aligners went back all the way to the second molar. So that, that side was not touched. We added these um, metal brackets on there, and I just had her wear this scenario of elastic for a period of three to, I think in her case, we did it for about three weeks. She, we were really in a hurry to get this done so that we could get these appliances off and get her 
to the prom with no attachments or ugly silver buttons on the teeth. And she did a fairly good job. It wasn't great. I'm not, it was four weeks. It wasn't great, but it was better. Parents knew that it wasn't perfect, especially mom. And I said, look, I really, you know, I'm going to be following her. I'm going to put her in retention. And they were happy. We took everything off. And like I said, it was all about making that parent patient happy. And, and since that time, I'm in the middle of treating, I believe, their third child for Invisalign. So it, it is to some degree sometimes letting our egos get out of the way and, and giving people what they want. Here's a situation where um, she, this patient actually had an anterior open bite, and we created an open bite in the posterior when the maxillary arch was expanded. So here she is at refinement on the right. You can see now that we have the anterior situation resolved, but now there is some lingual cuts interferences causing her not to be able to close down all the way in the back or in the posterior, and the same thing on her left side. So let's look at her ClinCheck, and we're going to talk about this. Um, I've noticed more and more as I've started to finish, especially some of these open bite cases where they're very narrow in the posterior, and you're trying to do some expansion or widening, you'll see that a lot of times, in this case, here's the refinement stage. So we did a lot of expansion in the posterior to correct that crossbite that she had in the, in the beginning. But in the process of doing that, if we look at it, you can see that the teeth were kind of like rolled out or tipped out, and you have these lingual cuts hanging down, which causes these posterior interferences on the patient's um, clincheck, or it causes the patient to have some bite issues. She's closed in the front beautifully that we have these interferences now in the back. So, in the way I manage this now is I'm really careful when I go in and do this, these expansion cases or I move posterior teeth out buckling. And you can see it better. Let me show you from this standpoint. I think it, it, you can see it much better. Um, you can see the crowns are going to tip out, and you're going to notice that the crowns are being tipped back in, and the roots are coming out buckly. So I really, and it, it looks kind of extreme, but I really am asking for a lot of buckle root torque, and I typically am. I'm usually asking for maybe 10 to 15 degrees. It seems extreme. I find that the overcorrection is needed. You're monitoring the case. You know, if you get to a point where, you know, she looks good and you're only the liner 15, then you can stop. You know, you don't have to continue just because she has 20 aligners and finish the case. I really find that for the most part, it, it's rare for a lot of that overcorrection to really ever surface. It, it generally turned out to work out just the way I wanted it or had planned. But that's kind of how I'm managing it. And again, you can ask the technician to give you that buckle root torque, or you could actually just do it yourself with the 3D controls. And you can access your 3D controls simply by going over to Changes, here's the 3D controls, and you hit On, okay? And while we're in the 3D controls, I do want to show you another way that I use another tab that has become one of my favorites, and that is the Occlusion tab here. So let's go to the maxillary arch, because the other thing I want to also look at is besides making sure that I have adequate you know, buckle root torque, want to make sure that the teeth that I'm really needing for them to have some occlusion at the end end up touching at the end. So if we go back, you can see here, these are the areas where the contacts were extremely light or non-existent. And now there's red here, okay? And you can, you can manage that yourself by going in and, and, and with your 3D controls. Typically, if, if the case was brand new, it would pop up a a whole little menu here, and you can extrude these teeth yourself, or you can just ask the technician to provide a maximum occlusal contact on the posterior teeth or on your premolars, you know, or just your molars, just your canines. On open bite cases such as this, it would be unusual, quite honestly, for me to show red like this on her posterior teeth, right? Because typically, she had, if we go back, let's go back and look, you know, she had this anterior open bite, and if we go back here, let's look at the, um, compared to the original, which is another great feature of the ClinCheck Pro, you can see here how she looks 
in the beginning of this refinement stage and here how she looks at the end. Okay, so you can see that I really wanted to get the premolars and I wanted to get some uh, canine guidance, of course, and on the left side, again, wanted to make sure that I got some decent contact. She was actually had some interferences right back here with the lingual cusp on her molars. So let's go back and look at the occlusal view one more time. So I think it's important. This is something that I will at the very, very end before I decide to approve it, I will always check it. I'll make sure that I like to see the red. The red to me is a little bit of overcorrection on those, that extrusion. The green will be, uh, I'm not always a guarantee that you're going to have contact, but certainly not overcorrection. And a lot of times on my answer bite cases, I'm always going to want to see red here as well. But in this case, she was already contacting pretty nicely, so I didn't want to over-extrude these teeth anymore. I felt like we had done enough. So that's how I use that. And you just click off when you're done with the 3D changes, and then you're back to the regular uh, ClinCheck. And let's take a peek at what she looked like at the end of this refinement stage. So here she is refinement, here she is final. Would have liked to have seen a little more extrusion in the canine region. That lateral incisor, it, it, it popped back up a little bit, probably was over-extruded a little bit, quite honestly. It, you know, she, the tooth is actually a little short, and her dentist at some point, we had talked about doing some bonding or veneer, wanted to go back in there and kind of complete that treatment with the canine. But as you know, sometimes these patients don't want to go any further. They're happy, and she was content with the way it was and went about finishing up her college career. So here we go with my diamond tips. Posterior of by correction. Ask for buccal retorque. And again, maximum occlusal contact on premolars and molars or wherever exactly you need them. Or you can do it yourself with a 3D control. Let's go into anterior interferences and the bone discrepancy and how those things need to be addressed in order to prevent posterior open bias. So here's Travis. I'm getting married in 12 months. Very challenging case. We're not going to go into the details of exactly um, how this case was totally set up. But suffice it to say, here he is about a year later, which he was very happy because he was getting married in a year and he wanted his front teeth, upper front teeth in front of his lower. So we got him that, took off the attachments, and we sent him on his way for getting married and for the honeymoon. And unlike the previous patient, he actually did come back <laughs> for a refinement. Because while it may not be real obvious here on these photos, but he does have some pretty severe anterior interferences on that lower arch. And he's hitting those upper anterior teeth quite extreme. And the posterior teeth, very light contact. So we're going to go back in. He comes back from the honeymoon. He knows he needs to finish up the treatment. He's about halfway done. And we're going to work on the bite now and really get the final positions fully stocked in. And in this particular case, we're going to talk a lot about, you know, a bolt discrepancy, which you probably would have figured just from the standpoint of being the class three and also the fact that he also has some very small lateral incisors, especially this one on the left. Very small. Go up to the tools. You can look and see in the Bolton, as you would expect, you know, fairly significant uh, Bolton discrepancy. So on this ClinCheck, if we run through, we can see that I'm planning to do some IPR, fairly significant, about two and a half millimeters, which is about what the uh, analysis says it would be, okay? And we're going to try to improve upon his bite gain a little bit more overjet, try to get a little bit more overjet, maybe overcorrect it. We can look from the side view. You can really see the open here, and you can see especially how everything is really tight here in the anterior region. And we're going to do the IPR more towards the tail end, and then at the very end, use maybe some of those overcorrection aligners to gain some overjet. Sometimes on these overcorrection aligners, I, in this case, we only really use the lower, didn't really use the upper ones at all. Use those lowers because it'll give you a little bit more retraction. If I run through this one more time, you can see as the teeth are intruding some more, 
we are also going to do that IPR, and then we're going to even do a little bit more retraction on those last three set of aligners, and we're going to gain some nice occlusion. We're going to be able to extrude these teeth, which he needed to have happen, because in the beginning of his treatment, he still needed a fair amount of extrusion of those teeth, okay? One of the things that was an issue that came up and we had discussed was the fact that specifically number 10, the upper left lateral, was small. And our concern was trying to get this midline uh, totally centered due to that lateral being smaller than average. And the nice thing when you do open this up, often you're able to see the size of these teeth and determine, well, how far off they are. And you can see here, it's about a millimeter uh, difference, okay? And that could be enough to cause some discrepancy in the midline, right? Because this tooth is about a millimeter smaller. The patient was not interested in doing anything about that, so we did not pursue opening space and having a veneer place or some cosmetic bonding. And as you can see, here we are at two years, 18 visits, midlines aren't centered. Again, more or less expected. He was prepped on that, didn't want to have any dental work done. And you can see that here he is. This is the day that we're going to be taking his attachments off and planning for his retainers. And that was about 18 visits. And here he is six months later, holding up nicely. Looks like maybe the, the midline got a tiny little, little bit better. But the thing I'm pretty happy about is the, the bite's pretty stable and his contacts in the posterior are solid. And that was his completed treatment. So my diamond tips here, always check. Use that tool under your uh, pro, the clinical uh, ClinCheck Pro, you know, and plan on IPR restorative. Sometimes on a lot of my cases, I may not do the IPR right away in that first ClinCheck. I may plan it for the second ClinCheck because I have found also a lot of times there's, you know, there's this human body behind those teeth. And sometimes you'll have patients on elastics. Travis was on class three elastics in that first round of treatment and I didn't do any IPR because I wanted to kind of see, you know, what would happen with the class three elastics? How's his body going to respond? And then in that refinement stage, we ended up going in and doing that IPR, which really had to be done because he had a pretty good size bone discrepancy. Again, Curvis B, his Curvis B needed to be leveled. He still had a lot of extrusion on those uh, lower incisor teeth, so we had to go in there and, and level that out. His situation, we used some class three elastics. I have done this with patients that really weren't class three, and we'll use them just for a very short period of time to remove some of those anterior interferences. Maybe those incisors, you know, the lower incisors are tipped out a little bit too much, and you just want to sit back a millimeter, just ever so slightly. Short-term short class three elastics has worked well for us as well. Always check your occlusion with your 3D controls, and we did talk about that with the previous patient, uh, Niket. So here we are kind of wrapping it up this morning, and I would say these are my must-have tools to manage everyday challenges chair size. And this is my special diamond vault that I'm going to let you into. And these are the secret, secret special tips that will just make your days go much more smoothly. And it will make your staff really happy, too, because you're going to provide them with tools that they really can use to help streamline some of the processes and systems in your office. And I'm going to share those with you because not all the challenges are just related to the ClinCheck. A lot of the challenges are also related to how you manage, you know, the patient day in, day out for success. And you want to have patients coming into your office, obviously, you know, looking forward to seeing you, but also leaving your office just raving about their experience, being very excited about their experience, being excited about their Invisalign, because that's just going to bring more patients back into your office requesting more Invisalign. So it is truly a very important part. So. Let me share with you my magic tools that when I got these, you know, you know you have assistants that are very excited about Invisalign. When you buy a bunch of these Hugh Frady flyers and they 
they actually take them and kind of hide them and put them in a secret place in the office so they won't get lost or misplaced. That's when you know you have a, a good team in place and a team that's really excited to have the right tools. So back in the old days, we used to have hole punches that we'd buy like from Staples, right? And we'd punch out these button cuts, right? Well, now there's a nice flyer by Hugh Frady. Here's the order number. I, you know, Hugh Frady and, and me do not have any relationship, but these are really key pliers that um, work super well. So we use them when we need to place a button cut. Why would we need to place a button cut? Because maybe originally you weren't planning on class three elastics, like I just mentioned previously on Travis. So all of a sudden now you're realizing, gosh, I really need a class three elastics on this patient and you're now taking out your whole punch plier from Staples. No, 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 you're gonna use this Hugh Frady. You're gonna use this, it makes beautiful button cuts. And what's really nice about it is your team, once you decide, okay, now I do need a button on a tooth that I hadn't planned on, I don't wanna reset the case, your staff can sit there, maybe on a, a non-patient day or a, a day where you might've had a bunch of cancellations and go through the uh, aligners ahead of time before the patient comes in and have them all punched out, okay? I've also used them, sometimes you get some plastic that's a little low, like the patient's complaining, oh gosh, there's some impingement right here. Uh, it works really well to remove that as well for some tissue clearance. So the whole punch plier uh, is a must-have. The horizontal plier, again, why would you want to use this? You ever have a situation where you say, gosh, you know what? I probably I could just use a little bit of root torque on this tooth just to finish it out. And you can use this, it puts a nice power ridge. I've also used them and they really work well for retention. So I've used them to enhance my retention, especially in the posterior. So for example, have you put a precision cut in maybe on a molar and you wanna pull up class two elastic from a lower stick and the, the aligner's popping up. I'll find sometimes that if I put use this horizontal plier and put like a little uh, gingival indent maybe on the seven and the five, you know, on either side of the six, it'll lock that liner in and now the patient can put that elastic on without having to add a button, okay? So that's kind of the way we use these. Great for retention, great for retainers. Sometimes your retainers need some additional retention. Teardrop plier by Euphrates, again, this will be used for your precision cut, okay? So again, if you decide later, gosh, I should have had class two elastic, should have had class three elastic, happens all the time. And we'll just pull out our teardrop plier and we'll, we'll place this precision cut in the right spot for the patient, okay? And again, basically, we'll give you a precision cut that looks just like what you get back from the line when you order the precision cuts from the line. And my last favorite plier is what I call my vertical plier, which is used, again, you have a tooth that, you know, it, it hasn't, you know, you want to overcorrect the rotation. It just needs a little bit more rotation. And again, you don't want to send in for a refinement. You're kind of on the last leg, you and the patient <laughs> are on the last leg. And you just want something to, kind of give you that last little, you know, quick fix. Sometimes you get a patient that's using their 10X mirror, you know, they're looking at their 10X mirror and they're coming in. And, you know, for the patients that maybe you feel like you want to go a little further and they're telling you, Doc, I'm so happy, just let me be, let me get retainers and move on with my life. You also have those patients that are using their uh, 10X mirrors and you have to actually whip out your uh, your scope, you know, your magnifiers to see what they're talking about. This little vertical plier sometimes will solve those problems just from the standpoint of it gives you that little extra kick you need and the patient also is happy that something's happening because they'll feel that extra pressure on the tooth and come back and say, gosh, doc, that was great, whatever you did, thank you, it worked beautifully well. So those are my, my diamond vault tips. And I want to end this morning's session thanking everybody for being on this call. I really appreciate it. I know that Fridays can be a very a special day, a time, administrative day, a time with your family. I appreciate the time you spent with me this morning. I hope it was valuable. I, I put this slide on. You know, my husband and I uh, do enjoy sailing, and I thought this was a great um, takeaway thought. A smooth sea never made a skillful sailor. And 
I wanted to show you, you know, some of the areas that have been uh, challenging for me personally, some of the mistakes I made, and how I'm correcting those now as I've moved forward with um, additional, you know, ClinChecks and patients to maybe, you know, troubleshoot those problems. And I really hope that you got a lot out of this. I'm going to give you the last slide, which is the slide that will show you where you can get your uh, CE certificate. And I'm going to turn this back over to David to uh, finish up the morning. Well, thank you, Dr. Galante. Great presentation. I want to cover one quick thing that's very important in order to receive your CE certificate for this program. Currently on the screen right now, there's a link to take a quick survey. Once you complete your survey, you'll have immediate access to your CE certificate. So please go there after the completion of the program. If you experience any technical problems with viewing any of the presentation, the archive program will be available on the Education tab of your Invisalign doctor site. And I wanted to thank Dr. Galante again for a great presentation and for all of you for taking time out of your Friday to join us. We look forward to seeing you on another Ask the Expert webinar. Thanks very much.